experience, like the Pink Floyd song, all you touch and all you see is all your life will ever be. So moving beyond happiness as the ultimate, right? Once again, the question being, what should our ultimate focus be? You know, is there a single one thing that we can focus on which will drive all other outcomes, right? Which will drive our thoughts and beliefs and behavior. And, you know, that's, I think that's what we're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. You know, that simple adage that cures everything. Now, as a Muslim, I have to say that for us, the the answer would be la ilaha illallah there is there are no gods except for god there are no gods with a small g except for god with a capital g now the crux of that statement is that god with a capital g is beyond all thought and comprehension right the whole purpose of this statement from one perspective is to let go of every attachment to anything it's exactly the same as Buddha. Buddha talks about desire being the cause of all suffering. And desire is simply attachment. What, what, what do we mean by this? So you want, you have a, a certain job and you want a better job. You have a certain car. You want a better car. You want in every situation to create a certain outcome. You want things to go a certain way. You want things to go your way. You know what? The truth of the matter is that you cannot even control your mood, let alone what happens tomorrow, let alone what you're going to be thinking about in an hour, right? If you actually sit down and think about what you're actually able to control in life, you'll realize there's not really much you can control except for, once again, your mind. Can you control it? I mentioned in the last episode that you don't know where your thoughts come from, right? And I dare say anyone would argue with that statement. Perhaps you might say something nebulous like, well, your thoughts, your thoughts stem out of whatever emotion you're in at the time. Right, so if you're feeling a positive emotion, you'll think positive thoughts. That's about the best you can you can say. Or you might say, well, your thoughts come about because of your experience. If you've watched a movie, you'll be thinking about a movie. If you've had a traumatic traumatic experience, you just saw an accident take place, you'll be thinking about that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So thoughts are a cause of whatever you're experiencing. But in any case, my point here is this. My point here is that you do not really have control over much, and yet you want to control everything. You want people to treat you right. You want the world to be a certain way. You want things to go a certain way. You want to be respected and admired, and whatever the case is, you have certain desires. And like the Buddha said, these desires uh, cause suffering, right? These This attachment. And... You know, from a spiritual perspective, once again, if you just let go and supposedly, quote unquote, go with the flow, that is the answer. Go with the flow. So you've got this picture of like a guru 
surfing on on waves and it's like you know just ride the waves right right so that's kind of like a meditation kind of ethic where you don't fight your thoughts you just watch your thoughts and you kind of just ride them out and things of that nature we may get into at a later date but the point is we're asking the question of what it is that drives us as humans okay and I'm kind of making an assumption that there are people out there that think about these kinds of questions and that think about this whole thing the same way that I do, or hopefully will get some insight out of my pondering over these questions. So you look at your life and you ask yourself what's the one thing that i cannot do without let's let's just try and strip it down and make it very simple what's the one thing that i need above and beyond everything else anything else so the first answer that popped into my own mind that i held on to for years was happiness like i explained in the previous episode if you're happy nothing else matters and if you're not happy nothing else matters then I took it a step further and I thought, you know, there's something more than happiness because sadness can be fulfilling, right? So instead of focusing on an emotion, an emotional state, which is happiness, perhaps the answer would be to focus on experience. Now, I met a very interesting fellow the other day. My wife and I were going for one of our last bike rides around the Glenmore Reservoir in Heritage Park in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where we've currently relocated to. Moved back to Calgary after about you know 15 years. We met in Calgary in 2004, and uh, you know been pretty much up and down <laughs> the Americas since then. Last few years have been in Toronto. We moved back here. We were going to cycle around the reservoir. We stopped at McDonald's for some coffee and we were reminiscing about life, the universe, and things in general. And there was a very interesting fellow called Ron who happened by and interjected himself into our conversation. And he was such an interesting fellow that we invited him over to our table and we literally sat there talking to this guy for two and a half hours it was mostly me and ron and ron i suppose you might call it an agnostic right i believe he was it seems to me that for whatever reason i hope this is not perceived as anti-semitic but it seems to me that he has a jewish background for whatever reason i don't know why i thought that um you know, I admire Jewish people. One of my best friends in life, Aliyah Ginsberg, uh, who is from the city of Pierm, next to the Ural Mountains in Russia. He's Jewish, right? Um, I briefly uh, dated a Jewish girl uh, at university. Dated meaning that we, you know, we kind of made out once. Um, <laughs> but we liked each other. In any case, um, I might as well say that Muslims are a Semitic race as well. This is generally not known, and I only discovered this a couple of years ago. 80% of the Quran is about Prophet Moses. And Prophet Muhammad himself said that my nation is going to follow uh, the nation of Judaism 
to the extent that if the name, it sounds really strange, a strange thing to say, but it's actually what, what the case is. If the nation of Judaism went down a badger hole, then my nation is going to follow them down that badger hole or go through the same experience. In any case, that I'm married to a Christian, right? And the truth of the matter is that they're good and bad people of every race and sect and creed. And I shouldn't have to dwell on this, you know, more for an intelligent person to understand where I'm coming from. So Ron sat down with us and we started talking. And the reason I brought him up here is because I was moving from happiness to happiness as being the ultimate in life. Ultimate. What's the ultimate? What are we looking for? You know, and I was moving to the the notion that we're looking for ultimate experience. The way you get to ultimate experience is by experiencing what is with no attachments and no reservations and no labels. It's only because your ego is invested in a certain situation and a certain outcome that you suffer. That's that's just a bunch of words and labels. But what it means is that, once again, if you're in a dream and you realize you're dreaming, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad dream because you know the outcome is that it's just a dream, right? It's just a dream and you're going to wake up eventually. So it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Same thing with life. You're going to die eventually. So how can there be a good or bad? You know, Don Juan in, in Carlos Castaneda's series of books said that the difference between a warrior and an average person is that average person takes everything to be a blessing or a curse, but a warrior takes everything to be a challenge. And it's a shame to me, just like I grew up hoping I, you know, regretting and lamenting the fact that I, 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 did not meet anyone who was into Napalm Death, the band, the na- the band, <laughs> the English grindcore band, Napalm Death. That I couldn't find. I, I lamented the fact that I couldn't find for years, for like ten years. And by the time I found someone and ended up going to Napalm Death concerts, it was too late. You know, I don't listen to too much music anymore, but I was into death metal in a big way. Not to mention Pink Floyd and the Doors and. You know, we covered a lot of that kind of music, progressive rock, with my friend Alieg, who's an eminent keyboardist. We had a band at the University of Bridgeport called U Band, right? We didn't we didn't have a name for it, and so we called it the UB Band, University of Bridgeport Band, and and then it kind of transmogrified into U Band. In any case, uh, those were the days. You know, good twenty years ago. Looking back, uh, nostalgia hashtag nostalgia. So happiness, is happiness what should drive you, right? It's a slippery slope, and you have to, once again, use your inner voice and judgment and and intuition and conscience, once again, something that self-help seems to completely bypass, this, this thing inside of you called the conscience. It's there, right? How can you skirt about it and, and talk about success and fulfillment without talking about your conscience? You know, once once again, one of the failings of self-help. In any case, you know, happiness should not turn into an Epicurean mode of pleasure-seeking, right? Pleasure-seeking, right? Well, drinking makes me happy. Doing drugs makes me happy, right? Shooting people makes me happy. God forbid. You know, it can just go down a slippery slope. So you have to balance it with reason and 
good judgment. And it should be something, your lifestyle should be something you would hope that's constructive, right? Something that inspires others and adds value and helps others and contributes to society as a whole, right? So Immanuel Kant, the philosopher and I guess English or Scottish thinker, I think, if not German, he said something very valuable, which is that if you're set on a certain predisposition or set of values or certain lifestyle, let's say, then the way to look at it is by applying it universally, right? It's not enough to say, well, it's my life and I'll just live it how I please, right? If that kind of lifestyle is not one that can be lived by 6 billion people. Let's just put it this way. If everyone did what you're doing and if everyone thought what you're thinking, would the world be better or worse? Right? So if your lifestyle cannot be applied universally, right, then then it's not a case of, well, I'm just going to do what I please and to hell with everyone else because if everyone did that, then you know, we the world would have gone to hell by now down the tubes. And it looks like by 2015, we're either going to have a, a nuclear apocalypse or, uh, a, you know, a, an epic, uh, you know, global scale, a global level event, a climate event or some kind of natural catastrophe or disease or something. It looks like, you know... It looks like Elon Musk is right, and the answer now is to try and become an interplanetary species, quote-unquote, and fly off to Mars, essentially, because we're done here. We're done here. Either we're going to become enlightened, if you if you look at it from Ray Kurzweil's point of view, we're going to reach the so-called singularity, where something, like based on Moore's law, so back in the 1960s when computers were invented, you know, some fellow by the name of Moore, I don't know if his first name is Roger <laughs> or not, Moore came up with this paradigm which has held true for the decades since the 60s, which is that every 18 months, computing power increases by two and the cost goes down by two. So computers are becoming exponentially more powerful. And if they continue at this rate, by the year 2050, we'll reach what's called the singularity, which which kind of coincides with a global catastrophic climate event or nuclear apocalypse or enlightenment of the human species or destruction. I mean, 2050 is, is a big year, right? I mean, 2050, like the cards will be on the table, more or less, for the human race. Either we'll have merged into machines or machines will have taken over or will have flown off to Mars, or the world will have been wiped out in one of so many ways. Just a, just a sidebar. So, what is the goal of life? Let's say the starting point is to be happy. Okay? Slash fulfilled. Now, that slash fulfilled, you know, takes it to a, a different level. But let's just say happy. I feel happy. And that should be enough. I moved on to thinking about it in terms of experience you know i can be sad or melancholic and 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 it can still be a beautiful and moving experience right just think about it for a second if the goal is to be happy the whole time would you like to go through life without ever being sad right you can't really even know what happiness is without sadness and sadness can be so moving and so profound and and so enlightening 
you know, it's uh, it's only when you're sad that you stop and think about things and appreciate things, right? So there's a lot to, to be said about sadness, not to mention the gazillion other emotions that we're capable of experiencing on the human emotional spectrum. So happiness in and of itself didn't seem like the answer. So I moved on to looking at it in terms of experience. Over the years, I started thinking, well, the real thing is to have the ultimate experience, right? And Myself, I've gone from being a Fortune 500 high-flying sales executive, you know, running up tens of thousands of dollars in expenses and not whining because I'm a Muslim, but certainly dining, you know, Fortune 500 executives and, and, you know, flying all over uh, the Americas in terms of Canada and the States, attending, you know, conferences and, and you know, boardroom meetings and all this kind of stuff, gone from there to being homeless, being on the street for years, for a number of years, you know, two to three years, um, you know, just being in and out of shelters and not to mention, unfortunately, in and out of jail, right? Long story. I'll get to it at some future point, perhaps in a different episode. But looking back, I wouldn't have changed any of it. I'm glad I went to jail because it's enhanced my experience. It may have been suffering at the time. And by the way, it was actually very interesting for the most part. There was a lot of suffering um, and a lot of intensity. And it might be something I talk about at a later date. Same thing with living on the street. Met some of the most interesting, generous, beautiful, real people that I've ever met in my life. You know, I hung out with... um, the Occupy Toronto crowd in 2012 when, you know, they were camped out in front of City Hall and the fire fire marshal would come around every night and we'd have to move like 50 yards or 100 yards to a different encampment and then we'd move back. And this whole thing was just going on and on, like this little, you know, game of checkers with the city. And, you know, once again, a very interesting experience. Now, I could have stayed put in, in Calgary working for computer associates and perhaps now i'd be a senior vp of sales at let's say ibm best case scenario right but i'm happy i had my adventures because they enhanced my experience and so my thinking became over the years well it's not about being happy or sad but having the ultimate experience and the ultimate experience once again is one that you just experience without any labels. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And you're making the most of it. And that should be your goal in life. And so for some time, this is what I was thinking. Now, along the way, I met Ron. And this was literally last week. And uh, I hope to see him again. I mean, he was going uh, biking around the, the, the reservoir in the other direction to my wife and I. And we ended up spending all of our time with him and ended up going home afterwards. Um, we're obviously separated, my wife and I, so we went in different directions, but that's uh, a different story. I asked Ron about the question of happiness, and he enlightened me on so many different things that day. Like he was literally a godsend. I had been worrying about growing old without kids, and he had a lot to say about that. The fellow is 65, he has arthritis, and he was biking around Glenmore Reservoir which is like a two-hour bike ride for a fit person. This is this is just to give you a glimpse of the kind of character he is. I want him to start a YouTube channel. 
at least start a podcast. But, you know, that's a future conversation hopefully I can have with Ron. When I mentioned happiness to him as being a goal, a potential goal in life, we didn't even get to the question of experience because he interjected by saying tranquility. Peace and tranquility is what you should be looking for, which is very reminiscent of something that Imam Ali, peace be upon him, said, the first Shia Imam after Prophet Muhammad. Imam Ali, who was the cousin and son-in-law of the Prophet Muhammad, married to Prophet Muhammad's daughter, the Lady Fatima, for what it's worth, said that the ultimate blessing is tranquility, essentially, well-being, well-being. You know, this this feeling of, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. I feel good. Things are good. Things make sense, right? Maybe they don't even make sense. You know, Don Juan said something once to Castaneda, which was very interesting. And I was lamenting, as I mentioned, the fact that I it took me like 15 years to meet someone who was actually into Napalm Death, my favorite band for so long, probably my favorite band in life. And at the same time, I still have yet to meet someone who is as into Carlos Castaneda as I am. I rarely have met a person in the 25 years that I've read Carlos Castaneda and been quoting him and making YouTube videos about him. I've rarely even met someone who's heard of him, let alone read his books, let alone has been impressed, let alone has had their lives and thinking altered by this man who just happens to be the father of the new age. Back in the 60s, he was like a, you know, latter-day Jesus. Seriously. You know, he was this, this mystical, legendary figure. And he sold like, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies of his books, certainly over the decades. And he's had a profound, profound influence on most of the main thinkers of our age that you've probably heard of. Right, people like I'm sure Joe Dispenza to Deepak Chopra to you know Wayne Dyer have heard of and read and absorbed Castaneda. This much I can assure you. Maybe or maybe not those specific people, but Castaneda is king. He's like one of these unsung heroes. I mean, really, if you're listening to this, my practical tip of this episode is please go out and look up Carlos Castaneda. Right. So Don once said that. There's two, just to put it in a, in a way that is in context and applies and makes sense. Don Juan said there's two states of tranquility when a warrior is at peace, so to speak. In one of those states, everything makes sense. Everything in life suddenly makes sense. And at other times, nothing makes sense. And this is a very interesting thing that I want to come to ultimately, but... Ron brought up tranquility, and then he ended up with what seems to me to be a platitude, but kind of reeks of the truth. He said, really, the answer is love. It really is all you need is love. And he said, you know, of, of religion and the ultimate answer to whatever is out there, quote unquote, Ron was like, well, you know what? I've given up searching. Right? I've given up searching. And, you know, he's into neuroscience, and he was telling me about Oliver Sacks and um, you know, all kinds of interesting things he's he's heard and learned and, and wants to teach people. 
he says that we're essentially pattern seeking monkeys right pattern seeking monkeys now this is this is interesting so he he talked about tranquility versus happiness and then love as being the ultimate ideal love and and i said what love someone and obviously he said love something and it goes back to finding something you're passionate about or finding things you're passionate about so according to don juan once again you know, like this is the carlos castaneda episode a warrior quote unquote by wanting nothing develops a silent lust for everything it's exactly what rumi said rumi said only those people that rid their heart of the love of the world can be happy in the world and and these are very 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 that's a very dicey statement to make to a, a modern day secular person you might say well what do you mean love of the world and you know that's a spiritual theme as such right i i, I will try and secularize it it's it's definitely a predominant theme in islam and christianity i dare say and judaism the more you love the world the less you love god right the more you love the world the love of the world is essentially your day to day ego driven thoughts greedy um you know insatiable negative for the most part you know just clinging and 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 wanting stuff and and needing to change and mold things and you know the i quote unquote the i you take the i out of the equation and what you have is love and 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 what ron was talking about compassion for others you know big questions big questions but i did want to skirt past all of that you know i will perhaps revisit it because the ultimate thing then became after experience the ultimate thing what 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 you start with is happiness be happy whether you call that being in love with the world and yourself etc cetera, etc cetera, being happy then you talk about no it's not being happy it's your experience you know what's what's the ultimate goal in life and the ultimate goal in life once again should be able to shape our whole life and create a life of success right so what is success well we're talking about what is it that drives us fundamentally as humans so is it search for happiness is that what we should be focused on in our minds and in our lives should it be certainly we're looking for things that we are passionate about right or is it experience just like don juan says you know you want nothing so you let go of attachments you know you let go of 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 seeking in in the sense that you're not trying to mold the world or change people or change things right you're taking things as they come like jim morrison would say right you're going with the flow and you're letting the story evolve itself the universe is telling its story through you right so once again it sounds like a lot of spiritual mumbo jumbo to um a secular person to a practical rational person right so the next step in any case is where we're going to end this episode what comes after experience and what could there possibly be if you're living the ultimate experience what it comes down to is perhaps what really is our ultimate driver which is purpose or meaning you know so once again if you include being fulfilled in in being happy 
if if you if your definition of happiness also includes that feeling of fulfillment, which I guess it should, then what you're talking about is a life of purpose or a life of meaning. Meaning. Jordan Peterson, the University of Toronto psychiatrist and psychologist and eminent speaker and writer and world famous social media <laughs> and YouTube figure talks about meaning. He used to be an atheist and he's a devout Christian now. And he has a famous phrase, which I like to repeat as a neuroscientist. He's come up with this phrase that the universe is not made up of matter. It's made up of what matters. What it means is that our brain, before it assembles a picture of anything, you know, your, your perception is assembled in your brain. You, your brain has, it creates a picture of the world around you. And before it does anything else, it needs meaning. It needs a reason. There needs to be meaning there. So we're ending this episode here um, on the question of meaning. We're going to dive into meaning in, in the next episode. And, you know, we'll just end with the famous statement of Nishi that self-help people have kind of twisted in a way, you know, in a, in a good way, not not ill-intentioned. Um, Amway people like to say that if you have a why, then, you know, you need a why and the what doesn't matter. Nishi said something like, if you have a why, then you can put up with any how or something like that or any what. In, in essence, Nishi was a man who suffered greatly, like a, a lot of great thinkers like Dostoevsky. Jordan Peterson is into Nishi and Dostoevsky, and we'll get more into this question in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll tune in again. Please link or subscribe or comment, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.